0: Welcome to the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast.
1: My name is Frances.
0: And I'm John. And today we will be discussing the valvular disorder of mitral stenosis.
1: When you are finished listening to an episode, please remember to take the survey included in the episode description and provide us with your feedback.
0: Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast.
1: In this episode, we'll be discussing the valvular disorder of mitral stenosis. As always, we'll be providing the most crucial facts surrounding this topic and its management in 15 minutes or less. So let's get started.
0: A normal valve, which connects the left atrium to the left ventricle is four to six centimeters squared. And the definition of mitral stenosis is a valve narrower than four centimeters squared. However, symptoms tend to develop when the valve is less than 1.5 centimeters squared.
1: Is this a common comorbidity?
0: Well, mitral stenosis is actually one of the more rare heart disorders, affecting roughly 1 in 100,000 people. The most common cause remains rheumatic fever. However, in more developed countries, rates of rheumatic fever have greatly declined. Those that do develop mitral stenosis typically develop it slowly over many years, probably around 20 to 30 years.
1: And John, why does it matter if the mitral valve is a little narrower?
0: Well, Francis, if it's more narrow, then less blood can pass from the left atrium to the left ventricle.
1: Well, so what?
0: Well, so at first the left atrium can compensate and then it dilates so that it can overcome the extra pressure needed to push blood through a smaller area. Unfortunately, as the disorder progresses, blood starts to back up into the pulmonary system. Because of this fluid backup into the pulmonary interstitial space, patients experience symptoms such as increased work of breathing and dyspnea on exertion. Especially as mitral stenosis worsens and pulmonary venous pressure exceeds plasma oncotic pressure, patients will develop pulmonary edema and eventually pulmonary hypertension and right-sided heart failure because of all the backup.
1: Well, this doesn't sound good. So how do we recognize and diagnose these patients with mitral stenosis?
0: From your cardiac exams in school, you'll probably remember and notice that opening snap, early in diastole, and a rumbling murmur, best heard around the apex or left axilla would indicate mitral stenosis. But don't be fooled because as the calcification of the valve progresses, patients may lose that classic opening snap. An echo is really the best way to tell you the mitral valve area and the transvalvular pressure gradient. A stress test could also be used to determine how severe the mitral stenosis is. You may also see left atrial enlargement on an x-ray presenting a straightening of the left heart border and elevation of the left main stem bronchus.
1: And if we do find ourselves taking care of one of these patients, how do we safely give them anesthesia?
0: Well, first be aware that the patient will likely be taking diuretic, or if they have developed atrial fibrillation, they may also be prescribed beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, or digoxin.
1: Aside from their medications, what is our number one priority when we take care of these patients?
0: Avoid tachycardia. Say it with me, Francis.
1: Avoid
0: avoid tachycardia. Tachycardia makes left ventricular filling even worse, decreasing time for filling and increases left atrial pressure even more. Therefore, with induction, you should avoid medications that will increase your heart rate, such as ketamine, and be ready to treat that tachycardia with beta blockers. Or if new onset atrial fibrillation occurs, cardioversion may be necessary. Keep in mind that because these patients are already at risk for experiencing pulmonary edema, you should be carefully monitoring their fluid intake, and certain position changes such as Trendelenburg can worsen their condition. Also, pulmonary hypertension can be made worse by things such as hypercarbia or hypoxemia.
1: Now, do we have any specific postoperative considerations?
0: Postoperatively, you should continue to monitor these patients carefully and their pain should be managed closely to prevent tachycardia due to hypoxemia and respiratory acidosis.
1: Well, thanks, John. I definitely learned a lot more about mitral stenosis.
0: Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Sleep Easy. We hope you learned a lot today. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast. Just a quick reminder to click on the survey link in the podcast description to provide us with your feedback. As always, we appreciate you joining us and look forward to catching you on our next episode of the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast.